This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. For centuries, almost since time began, Israel has been blamed for many things that they did not do and have been persecuted or discriminated against for simply being Jewish. During most of the history of the Jews, they had no land to claim for their own. From the days in the wilderness searching for Canaan to the many times that they were scattered by invading kingdoms. During Hitler's reign, they were the target of a hate crime that would become the largest and worst hate crime known to mankind. Genocide of approximately six million Jews sponsored by Nazi Germany was an attempt to wipe the Jews off of the face of the planet. The Holocaust was the explosion of the growing feeling of anti-Semitism or hatred against the Jews that started long before Moses held two tablets of stone on Mount Sinai. After the horrific details was presented to the world, pictures and film of mothers letting go of their children's hands to face their deaths in a gas chamber, or mountains of bodies piled in mass graves, you would think that humanity would realize the wrong that was committed. But as a whole, we did not. Conspiracy theorists have spread false rumors against the Jewish people, and they have done a very good job of weaving threads of truth with bulk loads of fiction so that their fables seem to be true. But like William Branham's sermons, those threads of truth woven in make the whole summary of their theologies reek with a stench that can turn your stomach. The Apostle Paul said that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump as he condemned the boasters for their folly. But if you dig deep enough to find the truth among the fiction, you will find some very striking information. While the Jewish nation as a whole was the object of discrimination due to fears of the unknown, they were also a strong anchor as a roadmap to future futuristic Bible scholars. Since the entire Old Testament primarily dealt with the children of Israel, Jews 
prophetic scripture could be applied to their progress. And when prophetic scripture does not seem to be fulfilled in the old days, some Bible scholars applied those prophecies to future events. But devious minds took notice. Some scholars who have studied the history of the Jewish nation, knowing that those prophetic verses have applied to the ancient world, they started using them to sway public opinion. This fact is so undeniable that conspiracy theorists use this as a foundation of truth to weave into their anti-Semitic agendas. To some, this may seem harmless. But take the agenda to a much larger scale. A broad-spectrum comparison would be something like this. I can prove to you that devious men twisted the scriptures to lay false roadmaps based on when the Jewish nation was formed, so the Holocaust never happened. I've actually been told this by Christians. The fact that the Holocaust occurred under Nazi Germany is so undeniable, and the, the German government will prosecute anyone who gives support to that lie. Other countries, knowing firsthand of the horrific details that support Germany in their stance, they also press criminal charges for those who deny the Holocaust. Museums have been established with actual film footage and thousands of photographs taken by the Germans during the genocide. Because of the history of the Jews and their near eradication, the word Zionist has taken several meanings. While some are good, others are bad. The word Zion itself <clears throat> simply describes Mount Zion, and by association simply refers to Jerusalem. Originally, the term Zionist simply referred to the numerous groups that promoted the idea that the Jews should be in their ancestral homeland, which is now Israel. In 1917, the World Zionist Organization was formed, taking these many diverse groups and establishing a public face to the ideologies. This led to charities and formations of Jewish banks and bank loans and funding to specific Jewish growth and eventually a forum called the Zionist Congress. And the combination of these Zionist groups brought together both the good and the bad. It spurned several other ideologies under the Zionist name. Some of these include Labor Zionism, Liberal Zionism, Nationalist Zionism, Religious Zionism, Green Zionism, Neo-Zionism, and Post-Zionism. When the old-timers hear the word Zionism associated with some of the conspiracy theories, they are turned off because they associate that word with Nationalist Zionism or the support for Jews to return to their homeland. What they do not realize is that woven into the Zionist movement are some very evil theologies, some that have been the very foundation for many of William Branham's divine revelations. Israel was divided into 12 tribes, and most of the people from those tribes were scattered around the world. The land mass that is now Israel once belonged mostly to the tribe of Judah. And they were the ones that Jesus condemned 
for their straying from the Mosaic law and turning into what we associate with the scribes and the Pharisees. There were obviously good people in the land, some of which turned to Christ, but there was a rising faction that started to integrate pagan worship into their religion. They were called the Gnostics. Gnostics spread a theology that will sound very familiar to the cult followers of William Branham. They taught that the material world should be shunned and the spiritual world should be accepted. Like the cult of William Branham, they lived ascetic lives forbidding themselves the things of the material world. It's of the devil. And they tried to force themselves into the spiritual world by taking a works righteous faith. There are many beliefs of the Gnostics that can be found spread throughout William Branham's ministry, but the one that we will focus on is the foundation of the Gnostics, the idea of Gnosis. <clears throat> Gnosis is the idea that there is a hidden spiritual knowledge, what we would call spiritual enlightenment or insight, that is given to a chosen few that will deliver the soul to a state of freedom. Those in the Jewish nation who subscribe to this pagan religion are called Kabbalists, those who study Kabbalah. This is commonly known as Jewish mysticism and is condemned as heresy by Irenaeus in his book Against Heresies. There are also strong ties between Kabbalah and Freemasonry. In both pagan religions, there is a portion of the religion that's given in writing, while only a portion is passed down verbally and kept secret. In Kabbalah, the Zohar is the fundamental set of writings describing the faith. In the Zohar, there is a strong thread of theology that teaches that the old order, referring to Christians and Gentiles, must be destroyed before the new world order can be established of just Jews. This also, in a different form, is the foundation of the Freemasons. It is believed that the Zohar influenced the Jewish Talmud that we have today, and is the only explanation for some of the teachings that stray so far from the Mosaic Law. There are provisions in the Talmud for sex with children under the age of three, forgiving the matter, saying that it's just the same as poking your finger in the child. The Talmud explains how Jehovah created the Gentiles in human form so that they are not served by beasts and describes the Gentiles as very much the same as beasts. There are many horrific statements in the Talmud, the worst of which are these. When a grown-up man has intercourse with a little girl, it is nothing, for when the girl is less than this, it is as if one puts the finger in the eye. Another one, the intercourse of a small boy is not regarded as a sexual act. But when confronted on these terrible statements, defenders of the current Talmud do the very same as the cult followers of William Branham in these many false teachings. Their answer is, well, you must take the words as a whole, not nitpicking on an individual basis the content within. Whatever the case, 
William Branham not only wove Gnostic theology throughout his sermons, he ascribed to the heresy spread by the most dangerous sects of the Zionist movement, the roots of which seemed to hold ground with John Nelson Darby when he started teaching his dispensational fundamentalism. He also wove Jewish mysticism into his teachings. This particular Zionist group was not so much concerned with the migration of the Jewish people back into their homeland as it was the formation of the nation itself. To the Neo-Zionist, that specific date which they formed a nation is the pressing of a stopwatch, and time starts ticking down until the end of days. And because Darby's theology is so widespread, many would argue this statement, giving Bible quotes to support the Neo-Zionists. Darby's influence went worldwide and seems to have been pushed by men in the shadows that we now know as Freemasons. Darby influenced a man by the name of Clarence Larkin, who followed in his footsteps. But Larkin carried the theology a step farther, including teachings that would strongly influence the Neo-Zionists. Larkin created timelines, a series of dates, and applied them to each of the dispensations. Those dates that Clarence Larkin chose were directly copied by William Branham and claimed to be given to him by an angel. Very few in the cult of William Branham realize that Larkin is the angel that William Branham is referring to. In Larkin's writings and his drawings on Daniel's 70 weeks, he places the abomination of desolation from Daniel's prophecy to be during the times of the Gentiles. And William Branham studied this drawing, teaching a sermon with the same title afterwards. Then Branham started applying all of these neo-Zionist ideas to his own ministry. It was as if he were calling out to the neo-Zionists, pleading for them to follow him. Branham claimed that he was given a commission by an angel the very day that Israel became a nation, the very day that stopwatch was pressed. In 1954, he says this, And a strange thing of that, that you might not know, the very day that the angel of the Lord called me out, May 6, 1947, and issued the gift to pray for the sick, was the very same day that Israel became a nation for the first time in 2,500 years. Oh, I believe there's something in it. I just can't keep from believing we're near the end of time. That's right. 1954, the Great Coming Revival. While this starts the clock ticking in the neo-Zionist movement, Branham got his dates incorrect. The British mandate for Palestine was May 15th, 1948. Neither the day nor the year are correct in William Branham's false claim. But then Branham started teaching that the abomination of desolation from Daniel's dream was when the Muslims built the Mosque of Omar. In fact, this roadmap, according to William Branham, was more important than studying his Bible. 1955, beginning and ending of the Gentile dispensation, he says this, 
<clears throat> the daily obligation was taken away, and the desolate, the abomination that maketh desolation, the mosque of Omar, was stood today in the holy temple. The mosque of Omar stands exactly where the temple stood. And he said that they would tread down the walls of Jerusalem, over Jerusalem, until the Gentile dispensation be finished. But at the end of the Gentiles, there would still be three and a half years to the Jews. Now notice one of the most striking things of prophetic history. I don't claim to know the prophecy of the Bible. I'm going to stop there. That is the cult leader, William Branham, saying this. I don't claim to know the prophecy of the Bible. But this is like reading a newspaper more plain. And what we know, what we read here is the truth. Notice the title of the sermon, taken directly from Larkin's drawing, beginning and ending of the Gentile dispensation. But these devious men that influence William Branham tell only part of the story. They tie Daniel's dream to the end of days <clears throat> because in their theology, they have divided the ages into separate dispensations. Darby included a dispensation for grace, falsely putting an end to God's eternal covenant of grace. And Branham tried to carry the old covenant law not only into the new covenant of grace, but what he considered to be the final dispensation of the world. Branham essentially carried law past grace. Larkin's drawing of Daniel's 70 weeks is taken from Daniel 9, after Daniel's prayer to the people. But like William Branham, Larkin snipped out portions of Scripture to fit his agenda, not taking the Bible as a whole. In the chapter before this, Daniel 8, Daniel describes the situation that will allow the abomination to be set up. And when the interpretation of the ram with two horns and the goat with one horn is given, the angel told Daniel that the two horns represented the kings of Media and Persia, and the goat represented Greece, and his power was not what you would consider a great power. The angel said that the power that would destroy many was deceit. This power would rise even against the prince of princes, and that power would be broken. Daniel writes it will be broken, but not by human hands. Then again in Daniel 11, <clears throat> Daniel describes the kingdoms rising and the abomination that makes desolate. The same situations are established. But we must remember that the prophets of the Old Testament could see the coming up until the coming Messiah. But the thing that they could not see was the body of Christ. It was not until the mystery was revealed that they learned that the Gentiles would be included in the body of Christ. Daniel did see the prince of princes coming, and he saw all of the events that led up to his coming, but he could not see beyond that point to the body of Christ. In his writings of the history of the Jews, the title, Antiquities of the Jews, Josephus describes the events in between the Old Testament prophets and the coming Messiah. These, in, these events during this period of time confirm many of the prophecies given by the Old Testament prophets.
including Egypt turning their hearts to God and establishing temple worship to Yahweh. This period of time is overlooked by these neo-Zionists in the movement, or those that ascribe to the neo-Zionist teaching. Their hidden agendas carry absolutely no weight <clears throat> if the Old Testament prophecies are proven to have already been fulfilled. <clears throat> in the 1611 version of the King James Bible, it included the Apocrypha. That's the King James Version, the 1611 version of the Bible, the Apocrypha. It was a series of books that contained Jewish history after the Old Testament prophets. The first book of the Maccabees not only confirms the writings of Josephus, but also confirm Daniel's vision of the abomination of desolation. The book starts by describing the three kingdoms described in the Daniel's prophetic book. The very first three verses say this, And it happened <clears throat> after that Alexander, the son of Philip, the Macedonian who came out of the land of Shechem, had smitten Darius, the king of the Persians, and the Medes, that he reigned in his stead, the first over Greece, and made many wars and won many strongholds, strongholds, and slew the kings of the earth, and went through to the ends of the earth, and took spoils of many nations, insomuch that the earth was quiet before him, whereupon he was exalted, and his heart was lifted up. Now this <clears throat> is the exact situation that Daniel describes. In fact, during the course of the first chapter of the book of Maccabees, and confirmed by Josephus, many other prophets of the Old Testament are confirmed. It tells of the massacre of Jerusalem. <clears throat> it tells of the evil Simon who rose up against Judea, setting up strongholds in the high towers. It tells how Simon stole the bones of his brother Jonathan and built pyramids, which the book described as evil. It says this, Moreover, he set up seven pyramids, one against the other, for his father and his mother and his four brethren. And in, the, in these he made cunning devices, about which he set great pillars. And upon the pillars he put their armor for a perpetual memory. And by the armor ships carved, that they might be seen by all that sail on the sea. But the end of the first chapter describes the evil that Simon brought with his pyramid theology, and it confirms both Daniel's prophecies as well as many of the other Old Testament prophecies. The book says this, Now in the fifteenth day of the month of Kazlo, in the hundredth, hundred forty and fifth year, they set up, listen, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and builded idol altars throughout the cities of Judah on every side and burnt incense in the doors of their houses and in the streets and when they had rent in pieces the books of the law which they found they burned them with fire and whoever was found with any book of the of the testament or any committed to the law the king's commandment was that they should put him to death Thus did their authority unto the Israelites every month, 
as too many were found in the cities. Now the fifth and the twentieth day of the month, they did sacrifice upon the idol altar, which was upon the altar of God, at which time, according to the commandment, they put to death certain women that had caused their children to be circumcised. And they hanged the infants around their necks, and rifled their houses, and slew them that circumcised them. Howbeit many in Israel were fully resolved and conform, confirmed in themselves not to eat any unclean thing. Wherefore, rather to die, that they might not be defiled with meats, and that they might not profane the holy covenant. So they died. And there was a very great wrath upon Israel. I find it very interesting that the same chapter that condemns the pyramids also speaks of the establishment of the abomination of desolation. Archaeologist digs have uncovered literally hundreds of mini miniature pyramid idols, some with inscriptions on the bottom of how to hold it towards Orion during the worship of the demons. Could it be that the abomination mentioned here is actually some sort of a pyramid? And why are there so many pyramids found in Branham's cult churches? Why did Branham say that the Pyramid of Giza was the second Bible? Second to the Zodiac, which he says is the Bible, and it's the Bible of the occult. Is it possible that the, the abomination that Jesus mentions in the New Testament is actually the establishment of pyramid worship in the churches? William Branham falsely pointing to the Mosque of Omar as the abomination of desolation is very, very interesting when you consider the words of Christ. There are only two instances of a particular phrase in the Bible, both found in the New Testament and both found in the Gospels. The words, let the reader understand. Both in Matthew and in Mark, two different writers, they describe the words of Jesus who is speaking and not writing. Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then in parentheses, let the reader understand. You can't speak parentheses. It says, let the reader understand those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now notice the words, let the reader understand. In normal conversation, especially unwritten conversation, you would say, let the listener understand. Jesus knew that the Jews of that day were very familiar with the abomination of, of desolation that was set up in the temples in Jerusalem that is described in the book of the Maccabees. The days of the Maccabees were recent, and they had access to a wealth of information describing what was set up with, within the Holy Temple when it was converted to pagan worship. This was a message to the Christians, and it was evidently one that they wanted to keep hidden from the others in the Jewish nation at that time. Hidden from the Gnostics. We all know that Branham is dead and gone and his neo-Zionist theology regarding the formation of the nation of Israel and the establishment of the Mosque of Omar have held absolutely no bearing to the timeline of the coming of Christ as Branham falsely taught. They were part of the anti-Semitic teachings of the likes of Darby and Schofield and Larkin, 
who taught mischievously and taught and tied these future events to already fulfilled prophecy. Had this teaching not influenced the Christian church, and had the Christian church realized that the Old Testament pointed to Christ and not the coming of the Messiah prophet, then cults like John Alexander Dowie, also a self-declared Zionist who claimed to be Malachi IV, those cults would never have been established. And Dowie established Zion, Illinois, which he claimed to be the new Zion, and then men like F.F. Bosworth taught William Branham and helped Branham to carry Dowie's torch. It's very strange that William Branham had to report back to Zion, Illinois. He preached his sermon, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision in Zion, Illinois. He preached experiences in Zion, Illinois, but he also preached the Africa Trip Report, a sermon entitled The Africa Trip Report in Zion, Illinois. Seeing the strong influence of Darby and Schofield and Dowie and Larkin, seeing this in Branham's Gnostic Pyramid religion, there's just one question that you have to ask yourself. Just who was William Branham reporting to in Zion, Illinois, when he gave his Africa trip report.